The Bible clearly states there are crowns of rewards waiting for those who will enter into the kingdom of heaven during the rapture of the church. Listen in now as we investigate rewards from our risen king and the wedding ceremony of his bride as Jesus welcomes home his church and presents crowns of rewards. I am Mark Russick and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Welcome, everyone. So glad you're with us. We're going to be closing out the second section of this uh, podcast titled The Certainty of the Second Coming. Um, In the first part, we laid out the difference between the rapture of the church versus the physical second coming. Uh, From here, we're going to be talking about what happens after the rapture of the church, where uh, once we're caught up in the clouds, if, that is, if, if, if you're here alive on the earth um, be, beforehand, or if you're dead in Christ beforehand, where we all meet him together in the clouds. Scripture is very clear that there are two separate events, um, the rapture and the uh, physical second coming. We talked about in the first half where there are different trains of thought, but we laid out pretty clearly, I felt, uh, that, that the Bible's pretty clear in my estimation um, that Jesus will come for his church before the tribulation. But I also presented why certain belief systems are in place uh, at, at different points where some believe pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. But nonetheless, um, there I cited maybe 20, 25 different scriptures that's, that are relevant to the rapture of the church and another 25 or so that are relevant to the physical second coming. So in this area we're going to be looking at today, what happens to the members of the church that are raptured or the dead in Christ beforehand. We're going to talk about the rewards that Jesus has laid out for us, as well as the marriage supper of the land. And we're going to look at what is the role of the Holy Spirit in, in the, in the uh, coming tribulation. So uh, if, if you enjoy subjects like this, digging into the truth, no matter where the church, no matter where the church, no matter where the truth brings us, and where the church brings us, because where the church is, hopefully there is the truth. Um, I've cited many times beforehand, I like to look at different areas outside of the Bible, whether it's historical information, cultural information, um, geographical, archaeological, different areas of science, whatever will bring us to the ultimate end game of the truth, no matter where that brings us, is, is, is my hope. And that's always what I'm after. So if you like subjects like this and you like that approach, please hit the like or subscribe button. It's very important to the algorithms on the different social media platforms that you know we're hopefully drawing people of like mind who are after this information, whether it substantiates what they believe in or whether this is new information that they had not yet considered. Um, so you know it, it's important nonetheless. We're on the, all the different social media platforms, podcast platforms, uh, and most of all, I'd like if you could, if you wouldn't mind signing up on our email list, going to our website, The Russick Outlook, and uh, I just send out information about upcoming events. And if you have questions or comments, you can certainly email me at russickoutlook at gmail.com. So uh, buckle up. You know, hopefully, if you are a Christian, you'll understand what's going to happen what awaits us if you're not a Christian and maybe you're you're thinking about it or you're looking into it, you'll see some of the things that will be coming up uh, um, in, in, in possibly the not-so-distant future or the near future, certainly. 
So let me uh, let me wrap this or wrap the first part of of what will actually happen concerning the the rapture of the church itself. So the events of the rapture. If you're looking at this on video, you see the scriptures that I've I've highlighted. I'm not going to go through all of them for people who are just listening, but I'm going to tell you what these events are. The Lord Himself will descend from His Father's house. We're here where he is preparing a place for us. He will come again to receive us to himself. He will resurrect, resurrect those who have fallen asleep in him. The deceased believers will come first. Then those who are alive in Christ will be raptured up into the clouds. The Lord will shout as he descends a loud command. All this takes place in the twinkling of an eye. And I define this in the first half as the speed of light, or one-fortieth of a second. That's how quickly this is going to happen. Uh, We will hear the voice of the archangel, perhaps to lead Israel into the seven years of tribulation. We don't know, but we will hear his voice. We will also hear the trumpet call of God. This is the last trumpet for the church. This is not to be confused with the seventh trumpet of judgment during the uh, tribulation. The dead in Christ will rise first. Corruptible ashes of the dead bodies are made incorruptible, joining together with their spirits, which Jesus brings with him. So the spirits of those who are dead in Christ will come, and then the bodies are are resurrected uh, to their spirit, man or woman. We who are alive and uh, remain will be changed or made incorruptible by having our bodies made immortal. So those if this happened tomorrow, uh, you or me, you know, we would be taken up to the Lord and these uh, earthly tattered bodies, in my case, uh, will be made immortal. So I, I'm, I'm definitely in need of a physical body change. So I'm, I'm, I'm in. Uh, we will be caught up and raptured together, uh, caught in the clouds where the dead and the living believers will have a monumental reunion. Can you say Party. Uh, just imagine being caught up in the clouds and, and you're, you're surrounded by millions and millions, perhaps billions of, I would say billions of people, of believers. Uh, so some of those ancestors that you knew and some that you didn't know, you're going to see them. Um, we meet the Lord in the air. Most importantly, Jesus will be there. He will receive us to himself. He will take us to his father's house. And so shall we will always be with the Lord. From that moment on, we will always be with Jesus. This is such an incredible promise. At the call of Christ for believers, he will judge all things. Christians will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, that's outlined in Romans uh, 14.10, 2 Corinthians 5.10, and it's described in detail in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 3.11 through 15. I wanted to cite that if you're not seeing this on video, um, but again, you know these scriptures are laid out here. And finally, the marriage of the Lamb. Before Christ returns to earth in power and great glory, he will meet his bride, the church, and the marriage supper will take place a seven-year marriage supper. That's what I'm talking about. In the meantime, after the church is raptured, the world will suffer an unprecedented outpouring of God's wrath, which our Lord calls the Great Tribulation, Matthew 24, 21. So these are all the different events as foretold in Scripture of what will happen. So these are the events of the rapture. 
Next, I'd like to jump to what's called the judgment seat of Christ. And every time we hear the word judgment, some people get nervous and, you know, like, oh, I got to go to the principal's office or, you know, what's going on here? Or, you know, my father or my mother. But this is a good thing. Um, I'm going to read for you 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. This is Paul speaking. And someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than what the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is our rock, our foundation. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. So we will be judged according to our works. We, we, we are saved. We're talking about if you're now you're at the judgment seat of Christ, you've been raptured from the church, or you were dead in Christ beforehand, but you're in the presence of the Lord. So that's the most important thing. But there are rewards that are coming, and, and Jesus is pretty clear here, and, and meaning that if, if you've built things that are, um, with, I, I would say that where the world is taking uh, your focus, then those things will be burned up. But where those things that you laid in love uh, for, for the glory of God, and you've done things to advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth, you are to expect and receive great rewards. Um, Romans 14.10 says, you then... Why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all shall stand before God's judgment seat. So it's very clear there that judgment is for the Lord. It is not for us. Not that we can't judge what's going around on around us um, if we shouldn't be in a certain place or hanging with certain people. That's not what it's saying. But, you know, we we need to be inspecting ourselves. We need to be aware of, are we developing fruit? Are we growing in the Lord? Um, for we must all appear before this judgment seat. So it's it's for everybody if you are a believer. So, And it's good news. Jesus is good news. God's judgment is good news. So the judgment seat of Christ is referred to as the Bema seat of Christ. And and in that, it's, you can, it's uh, the reference there is almost to like a uh, a, a Roman setting or a Colosseum setting where you're you're being judged, but you're coming in for great rewards. You're coming in for your crowns. So there's five different crowns that are mentioned uh, in the Bible, and I've cited them here, and I'm going to read them. Uh, one, the first one is called the incorruptible crown or the victor's crown. First Corinthians nine twenty five through twenty seven. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. 
So this is the incorruptible crown. And, and, you know, so Paul's comparing himself to the athlete, but his motives are different. Then there's the crown of life or the martyr's crown. This is found in Revelation 2.10. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you your life as your victor's crown. So you've sustained it. You've won the victory. And this is obviously not for everyone, but these are people who are going through great trials. And, um, you know, there, there are so many who, you know, I'm in the United States of America. I have such an advantage to hear the gospel and to speak the gospel right now into this microphone. But there are so many who have their lives threatened for the sake of the gospel. And, and we must pray for them that they would endure and receive their crown. And these are just tremendous, tremendous. I have such high respect for people in, in certain countries where the gospel is forbidden, and yet they, they stand in their faith and, you know, they don't waver. They, it, 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 they inspire me. Uh, then there's the crown of glory, the elder's crown. First uh, Peter 5, 2 through 4 uh, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the she- chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Praise God. <clears throat> the fourth one is the crown of rejoicing or the soul winner's crown. This can be found in 1 Thessalonians two nineteen through 20. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory. You are our glory and joy. And finally, the crown of righteousness. They love his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. If you're longing for the appearance of of Jesus, you will receive the crown of righteousness. So if I'm reading this correctly, there are people who will be receiving multiple crowns. Uh, that that's just you know so these are these are what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ for those believers so the, this is again this is good news so after this happens we enter into the marriage supper of the lamb um, so with this I, I, I again if you're seeing this on video I'm gonna first show you what Revelation nine nineteen six through ten says. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Please remember this. I'm going to close uh, with something in a little bit. But remember these words. 
Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And these are the true words of God. So the, I'm going to give you um, some different analogies. And, and let me just say right off the bat, the traditional Jewish wedding was was seven days. A day is, uh, and, and in this, this wedding feast will be the seven years. It'll be the seven years of tribulation that are on the earth, but we will be with the Lord for these seven years. So I've got this highlighted on the video. And so if I'm reading left to right on the bottom, this is the blue section here. Wedding customs in the time of Christ were signed by the parents of the bride and the bridegroom. Additionally, this contract was signed by the parents of the bridegroom, and the bridegroom himself would pay a dowry or a down payment for to the bride or her parents. So this is this is tradition, and you know you see this happen today. And for, for a lot of times, there are um, uh, uh, there are prearranged weddings, and and this is where the the parents will come into a contractual agreement. But there's a down payment that's been already been paid for us. And the second section here in the, in the magenta uh, color and, and white lettering, the bridegroom accompanied by his male friends went to the house of the bride at midnight, creating a torchlight parade through the streets. Such a parade would not be a surprise to the bride as she knew well in advance such an event was taking place so she would be ready with her maidens. They would then all join the parade and end up at the bridegroom's home. Such a custom is the basis for the parable of the ten virgins, Matthew 25, 1 through 13. So the bridegroom is waiting. The church is waiting. She is the bride of, of Christ. And so she's not taken by surprise, but, you know, but she is waiting and with her, maid, with, with her uh, maidens. So whether she's sleeping in the, in the wedding gown, I don't know, but... She's ready. Next section. The events described by Jesus in Revelation 19, 7 through 10 describe the third phase, phase of the wedding feast, which is the marriage supper of the Lamb. John isn't meaning to skip the first two phases of the wedding feast, but he's communicating that they've already happened. The first was completed on earth when each individual Christian placed his or her faith in Christ, which is the dowry, and this case was paid by the bridegroom's parent, of God the Father, because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the bride's behalf. The church is betrothed to Christ much the same way as the wise virgin in the parable. All Christians should be watching and waiting for the appearance of the bridegroom of the Lord Jesus. We spoke about that in the first section. We're waiting, we're looking, we're anticipating. The second phase picture, when Christ comes to claim his bride and take the church to the, to the Father's house. The marriage supper follows as the third and final step, which is the glorious celebration of all who are in Christ Jesus. And we, you know, we talked about that, that he's coming to take us to his father's house where he's, he's prepared places for us. So th th this is going to be an incredible wedding feast. Here we're going to be in the presence of the Lord uh, for, for seven years. Next, I'd like to just talk briefly about what about the Holy Spirit, because if the church leaves and the church is raptured and we have the Holy Spirit in us, then the Holy Spirit is leaving earth. Uh, so what, what, what happens? What, is, what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit in this time? So I wanted to look at this because it's very clear that he has a huge, well, he always has an important role, um, 
but he, he, he's got a tremendous role to, to play uh, and, and to participate in. Second Thessalonians 2, 6 through 7 says, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So what this means is, we see a lot of chaos. We see a lot of lawlessness today. And if, you know, I'm, I'm recording this in March of 2021. And, you know, the disregard for law is, is just incredible what's happened over this past year in America. Uh, and I'm sure, in, in, and I know in other nations as well, but it's, it's just, it's been a travesty where they want to remove police and law enforcement, law and order. Um, but there's a, there, there's a, still a, you know, a force holding back from utter chaos. But if the church leaves or when the church leaves and the Holy Spirit leaves, then all bets are off. This this place, pardon the expression, is going to hell in a handbasket. Um, for those who are as old as me, know have heard that expression before. So the Holy Spirit works as a restrainer of evil in the world today. If the pre-tribulation assumption is correct, and I believe it is, the Holy Spirit's restraining, restraining influence will be removed. However, this does not advocate the Holy Spirit stops ministering. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-12 mentions a man of lawlessness is held back until a latter time. Since the lawless one, which is the beast or the Antichrist, cannot be revealed until the restrainer is taken away, thus the tribulation cannot occur until the church is removed from the earth. Another reason I believe in pre-tribulation uh, rapture. So, you know, once we are removed and the Holy Spirit is removed, then that gives license, if you will, uh, f- for utter chaos and lawlessness and, and evil to reign. Of all the views on the timing of the rapture, only the pre-tribulation harmonizes with Scripture when we understand the Holy Spirit is the restrainer. The wicked one is a personality. His operations include the realm of the spiritual. The restrainer, likewise, must be a per. per- personality, I'm sorry, and of a spiritual order in order to resist the devil and hold the Antichrist in check until the timing of his revealing. The restrainer must be a member of the Godhead if he is stronger than the man of sin and Satan. Pretty obvious. If he's restraining the devil, he's stronger than the devil. So consider the parallel from Old Testament days of Noah to what is foretold in the tribulation. It is significant that in the days immediately preceding the flood, the restraining work of the Spirit is emphasized. Let's also consider Isaiah fifty nine nineteen. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Again, it's just showing the, the, the impact and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit may not be carrying out his unique ministry in the tribulation as he does with today's church, but he certainly will aid the tribulation believers as they endeavor to live for the Lord. It's so important to remember that there will be, I believe there will be tens of millions of people coming to the Lord, if not billions, during the tribulation. But I I certainly sense millions upon millions 
right after the rapture. Because so many believers, maybe some who are listening to this and don't take it to heart, but they've heard the message of the gospel, they've heard this information, and when they see the rapture of the church, they'll know, oh no, I missed it. Then they will become a believer. So it may, unfortunately, take that to happen, but I I think that in those first couple of weeks and months, I think you'll see tens, if not hundreds of millions come to the Lord. Uh, It's going to be brutal for them, but you know, the revelation is also clear that we will see them uh, again in the house of the Lord. Um, but we will certainly, uh, um, he certainly aids the tribulation believers, I'm sorry. Um, but he will also seal and protect the 144,000 Jewish witnesses for the great evangel- evangelicalistic, yeah, it's easy for me to say, the ministry outlined in Revelation 7 and 14 plus the two witnesses in chapter 11. So clearly the role of the Holy Spirit is, is great and, and strong in, the, in these seven years. Um, the power of the Holy Spirit will be with uh, the, 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 uh, the two who are ministering on the Temple Mount, which again, I think is Eli and uh, Elijah. But um, So the Holy Spirit has a huge role to play. But thank God, if you are listening to this and you know the Lord, you have him inside of you. So let me just show you um, the difference between what we call the rapture and the glorious appearing, which is the second coming of Jesus on earth. Um, I'm just going to go back and forth, compare one to the other. Christ comes in in, for the rapture. I'm going to go rapture first, glorious appearing second. So rapture. Christ comes in the air for his own. Glorious appearing. Christ comes with his own to the earth. Rapture of all Christians. No one is raptured. Christians taken to the Father's house, resurrected saints do not see the Father's house. No judgment on earth, Christ judges the inhabitants of the earth. Church taken to heaven, Christ sets up his kingdom on earth. The imminent could happen at any time, cannot occur for at least seven years. No signs before the rapture, many signs for Christ's physical coming. And I and I go on and I lift 15 different uh points here. So if you're seeing this on video, you you get it, but there's clear distinctions between what happens in the timing of the rapture versus the glorious appearing or the physical second coming of Jesus on earth. So, uh, you know, please consider that. Uh, It's it's abundantly clear again uh, throughout scripture. Um, I'd like to just close personally with something that happened to me uh, about 16, 17 years ago. Long story short, I had dedicated uh, 40 days to kind of set aside, and and I was really seeking the Lord for um, uh, vision, for clarity, for my life, um, things I had done wrong, how could I correct them? Um, And I would just, this is the way I did things. I would kind of spend time, quiet time with the Lord, and I would uh, I would write to him, and I would just kind of write down what was on my mind, you know, as I was talking to you or a friend next to me. And then I would be quiet, and I would write down in red what I felt like the Lord was speaking to me, because it's clear that the Lord speaks to his people. You know, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. So I'm going to write to you what, what I wrote. And I wrote this without even thinking, and it's 17 years later, and I think this is the time to bring this out in this teaching and, and I have this as a letter, an, a, an envelope, where it's written to every man, woman, and child. This is for everybody. And it's an invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
but there is an RSVP. It is required. And on the back of the envelope, I have a little spattering of blood, which is it's sealed in the blood of the Lamb. It's sealed in the blood of Jesus. And this is the invitation. So I just wrote down without thinking about what I felt he was saying to me. And I had no idea that we were, you know, that wasn't even what I was, I, I wasn't talking to him about anything remotely close to this. And when I think back on these words, I promise you, I do not write like this. These are not my words. I couldn't. It's not the word of the Lord per se, but I believe they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So in this, and this is what the Lord had me write. He said, you have a special invitation to heaven's greatest party. Yes, special VIP seating is had for you and for all, for this is the party of the recipient of souls won for the kingdom of glory. The stage is set for all to receive their rewards from his most high in all of his glory. I will say at this time, I wasn't even aware of rewards but you heard just what I said beforehand. He desires all to see his greatest moment when he welcomes nations into his home. The universe is not big enough for the love he has for his children, and he will not stop showing his love for them. There is a moment written in the chapters of his book for God Almighty to rain down from heaven as he embraces his children. Man has not seen nor he can imagine what is to take place. The angels await his every move in preparation for the grand finale of his grace. All will know that Jesus is the Christ, the Anointed One, and his anointing will present himself for all to see and witness the splendors of his glory. Yes, there is a party that is planned. Tell them all they are invited to witness the crowning of the King. There is a moment depicted in the eons of heaven's time that Jesus is crowned with all of heaven's glory as he welcomes home his children and presents them to the Father as gifts to him. Man will not will, will know there is no end to the love between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Church, which makes them one. For this is what has been revealed for all of creation to know and see that Jesus is the Christ and his anointing will bring rest to all who seek him. Shout it out now that I am coming, and I am coming soon. There is a day that heaven will see my finest day, and that day is coming soon. Signed by Jesus. So you may think I'm a little crazy, but I know that those words were not of me. I do not write like that, and a lot of what happened in us 40 days is not my writing either. Uh, but you know, my, 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 my hope, my prayer, my point is that you are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb where you are the guest of honor. You are the bride. And if you think of a wedding, all eyes are on the bride. And we may not deserve it, but all eyes will be on us, or most importantly, Jesus' eyes will be on us. So think about that. Let me close by thanking you so much for listening. I hope you uh, continue to listen as we dig more and more into the second coming of Jesus uh, next, we're going to be looking into um, the role of Israel. But, you know, it. hopefully, it, you know, if you like this, hit the like or subscribe, share the information, uh, any questions, prayer requests, I'm, I'm more than happy to take them. I just want to thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time and don't take it for granted. Uh, I hope to see you again or hear you again soon. Uh, my name is Mark Russick, and you've been listening to The Russick Outlook. As always just my opinion.